eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone. I'm joined by my buddies, my colleagues, my partners in crime, whatever other things I can think of right now. I guess that's pretty much it. Zach Blostein, Chris Nee. Gentlemen, welcome to OTB. Hopefully you're enjoying your chilly Florida weather right now. What's it like down by you, Zach? Has it gotten cold? No, it's not chilly. No, it's frigid here. Um, but I digress. Let's go. So, all right. Turn off your audio. That's you. That was not me. That was Chris. I could tell he looks guilty. It was not you. <sighs> Let's start off by talking about the playoffs, fellas. Uh, the college football playoff rankings came out for the first time uh, in almost a decade. We had to actually care about it for a little bit. And my God, Chris, I I remember it being stupid. Uh, but if I can <laughs> if I can uh, quote a uh, an FSU great Brian Stork from way back in 2013, this is about the BCS rankings, but still applicable. It's all bullshit anyway. Um, let's get into it here. This this segment is going to be sponsored by Chattanooga Whiskey. You do an amazing job in the craft distillery game. Chilly out in Tallahassee, so that means it is bourbon weather. You go ahead, and it's always bourbon weather, to be fair. But uh, but you could go ahead and get into some of the, the higher strength stuff, some of the cast strength offers they have. Their 111 is an absolute banger to have by the fireplace uh, or outdoors uh, when it's a little chilly. It's going to warm you up real nice. Chattanooga Whiskey is... By far my favorite craft distillery out there. They have a great variety. Their rye's great. Their bourbon's awesome. Everything they do is is exquisite, and they are experimental. They try different things. It's just an amazing product. Very happy to have them uh, sponsoring this segment here, Chris. So let's get into it. FSU checks in at number four behind Ohio State at number one, Georgia at number two, and Michigan at number three. Uh, Byers known it is all indeed bullshit anyways at this point. Oh, that's a solid buy on my end. I mean, who really gives an F? Um, it's a made-for-TV show that they roll out there for several weeks before the one that actually matters when they actually put teams into the games. So what mattered this week might not matter next week and almost certainly won't matter in a month. Um, we'll, we'll give a team credit for a strong victory here, but we'll take it away from this other team just as quickly. And, uh, oh, yeah, Michigan cheating bastards that they are. We don't care. It's just a hypothetical. We shouldn't really talk about that. And definitely doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of college football playoffs. I, I don't care about it. Um, I won't care about it till you know, FSU wins the ACC championship game. And 
At that point, it honestly probably won't even matter anyways because if FSU does what they need to do and gets to that point and they're 13-0 and 0 after that Saturday in Charlotte, they're going to be in the playoff. And it doesn't matter what a room filled of 12 men named Boo and other things like that have to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I just think the, the weirdest thing about the the rankings like council is is that it's a bunch of ADs. Like the Michigan AD was there, like is is part of that committee. So I, I I don't understand. Like I know he has to leave the room or whatever when they talk about Michigan, but I don't get why this is the setup. I don't really care, first of all, because like at the end of the day, like for Florida State fans and in this realm of things, like just go undefeated and you're in. Like there's no worry about that. Um, you're, they've clearly value FSU enough to put them at four now to where if they, you know, run the table the rest of the year, they're going to be in. So not worried about it. But I just think the whole setup of this rankings council of people is just not smart. Um, I don't know why a bunch of ADs – like, do you really think these ADs are turning on every single game and watching all of these teams? No, we know what ADs do during football games. They watch their football team play. Exactly. And they shake hands what they're supposed the to do. Yeah. Um, it it's a reminder that it's not really a playoff. There's no set criteria. That's what a playoff is, right? Like if you finish with this record among these many teams, you get in. Uh or there's a certain level of you get this many points regular season, you get in. That doesn't exist here. It's an invitational, it's all made for TV. And ultimately that's you know this level of consumerism is, is how we're determining a national champion. And that's the that's what everyone's agreed to. So you have to, you know, you may not like it, but you're a part of it. Uh, as it applies to Florida State, like I do want to push back a little bit on one thing, guys. And yeah, I, I had to, I had playoff duty uh, on Tuesday night and it was duty. Like listening to that, that press conference was just a sham. They refused to acknowledge anything about Michigan. Uh, James Madison eyes. doesn't exist in our world. It's a hypothetical. That was my breaking point. Uh, was <laughs> was someone asked about James Madison potentially being ranked if uh, they ended up becoming bowl eligible, which there would be a scenario if enough teams weren't bowl eligible and that whole NCAA you know, idiocracy um, with, with them not being able to be a bowl team right now because they're in their second year in transition, even though they're awesome and a lot of fun. Uh, and, and Boo, uh, the uh, NC State AD, said, yeah, it's a hypothetical question whether we'd rank them or not, uh, and, and we don't deal in hypotheticals. I hung up at that point. Uh, apparently, Please. Kurt over at the Osceola asked about Florida State after, and I'll get into that in a second, but I just uh, – it's all it, – the whole thing is a stupid hypothetical exercise. But what does matter, I think, uh, for the purposes of Florida State, not where they're ranked this week necessarily – but I think they showed you, they tipped their hand a little bit on a few things, guys. I think we can kind of like jump into the weeds here somewhat. One, I don't think Florida State couldn't get into the playoffs with a loss. Like, I think they made that pretty clear. They don't value the ACC. The ACC beating up on each other, even though they were good out of conference this year, is viewed negatively. Uh, but apparently Oklahoma State, who lost by 30 points to South Alabama, can beat up on other mediocre Big 12 teams and get ranked. So, like, you are going to potentially, like, I think you have to go unbeaten to make the playoff. I think I took that very loud and clear from them. Well, you know, Bedlam's, you disagree. This, week, so Bedlam's this week, so we need to make sure that was a good TV game. Well, th that is a part of it. Um, that's a part of it, I guess. We'll see. I mean, maybe Miami, I, if they win, will get ranked, so that'll be a ranked game next week. I do agree with your takeaway that they don't value the ACC, and I get it. The ACC's, you know, at best, decent to mediocre. 
um, too much beating up of one another, and the bottom is pretty dreadful of the league. Um, at the end, FSU goes undefeated. They control their you know destiny. If they lose one, a whole lot of a lot of things have to happen for it to be in play. Um, we know Ohio State or Michigan is going to have a loss because they play one another, so that's one there. You know, Georgia's two largely because their schedule is very soft. Michigan's three; their schedule is completely soft, and they've cheated their way through it effectively. Um, and Washington's five because they're a good football team that has also had a couple speed pause, moments. Pause there, real quick. Zach keeps laughing every time Chris gets salty over the Michigan cheating stuff, which well, has reached levels of absurdity at this point. Well, what I mean, like, uh, you know, I, I saw Big Ten coaches want the Big Ten to do something about. Well, good luck with that because the Big Ten's going to protect the property that has a chance of being in the playoffs for them. You know, I know Ohio State's probably the one that started this whole thing. Sorry, Ryan Day didn't mean to out you like that, but you know they're going to protect those two properties until one of those properties doesn't need to be protected. So, and we know the NCAA works about as fast as, you know, me running a marathon. So I'm not expecting a whole lot to happen here anytime soon, despite the fact that, you know, we have mountains and mountains of evidence and you have every coach in the world talking to the athletic, talking about how it's probably a 10 point difference for teams. Like, you know, cheating's existed as long as time, but Michigan took it to a whole nother level and they deserve to have more than their hands slapped. You go back to like Dion a week ago saying, no, you still have to stop the play. Like, no, if you know where the play is going. If you know it's a run, it's really easy to defend. If you know it's a pass, it's really easy to defend. When you take out the entire idea of, you know, how you got to set up your defense, how you got to roll downhill, what you're going to do. If you can pin, okay, so teams that rack up like seven to 12 sacks against an opponent, they either were probably cheating or there's such a tell that they just know what's going to happen. You know, offensive lineman does this. It means they're definitely going to run the ball. We're going to come downhill. We're going to play the run. That's basically what Michigan's being allowed to do, presuming everything that's been thrown against them is, in fact, true. And for the real quick caveat, like sign stealing, we talked about this a lot in the 2013 uh, review series that we did before the season started. Like, that's allowed in games. That is a part of gamesmanship. That is, you know, that, that, that's been going on for a very long time. Having a dude allegedly with sunglasses and uh, a baseball cap on the opposing team's sideline looking at a future opponent, uh, not necessarily ethical and against the rules. And using electronic, uh, for, you know, the big thing that, that could get Michigan and probably eventually will is, is proof of having like electronic documentation of cheating that, that that'll get you. Which one has Jim McElwain denied better, the shark or the knowledge of him being on the sideline? The shark. The shark he took very personally, oddly so, I would say, even though that's been debunked. The way he handled it made me think it was real. Dude, the the thing of Connor Stallions on the sideline of that game is crazy. Like he McElwain said in his press conference that he, there was no that there was no uh pass given to Stallions like to be on the sideline. Like, so how does he just show up in all they hey, man? Sometimes was... if you try to look real official, they think you're really official. Yeah, one time I walked into a uh, a press box area in a baseball game that was just for like certain media members, like a uh, uh, like television crew, and just ate the food. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I just thought it was okay. And I ate the food and didn't pay for it, which allegedly I guess you had to do too. So I stole food. I didn't realize that until after. But if you just act like you know what you're doing, in that case, I didn't know what I was doing, but that allowed me to act like I knew what I was doing. If that makes sense. Just like that. It's just like Connor Stallion, 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 Stallions, right? Did you also make a 
300-page manifesto on how you wanted to take over Florida State. That's crazy, too, calling it a manifesto. And uh, there's just a lot of – man, I love college football. It's so silly and stupid. Back to FSU and the playoff rankings. So I want you guys to rank the four things that perturb me the most uh, on Tuesday night, and then we'll move on. So number one uh, choice you have is Michigan's AD uh, not being considered to be removed from the selection committee. We talked about that just now. Number two, bringing up FSU's close win at Boston College of the Red Bandana game. Uh, but not bringing up, you know, UGA struggling against South Carolina or anything like that. Uh, number three, dismissing the possibility of James Madison being ranked as hypothetical. Quote, we just don't get into hypothetical questions. Sorry. I'm pretty sure that's one for you. Or number four, FSU is behind Michigan with a FSU, a quote unquote kind of front loaded schedule. Um, I'm going to go with James Madison being your one. Mm-hmm. Michigan being your two. FSU schedule being your three and the other one being the four. Yeah, all I know is the the James Madison thing is the one. I don't know about the rest. Yeah, the hypothetical is what set you over the edge. That honestly is crazy because they the whole reason Ohio State was ranked one was because of their you know strength of wins over Notre Dame and Penn State. Go FSU, Clemson, by the way. Yeah, and, FSU and then, has an insanely better win than Michigan's best win over Rutgers. And I mean they they get ranked behind on the same so that that's the thing that annoys me so much about this committee is that they they use one thing to reason one team being number 1 and then it doesn't apply to the rest of the rankings full full circle that's why it's all bullshit anyways cuz it's not a re- like what's happening now isn't real so we're get, I'm getting emotionally worked up and I and it's stupid for me to do it it's not logical so it when we matter. write the book on this dream season it's Tyler from Spartanburg reinvigorating Dabo, not allowing him to lose three in a row for the first time in 12 years as they go and beat Notre Dame, devaluing that victory for Ohio State, which changes everything. While FSU's victory against Clemson in their place in overtime is valued more so, all in one week's time. Tune in next week for the the college football playoff. In a little bit here. Um, But yeah, you hate to see that. I was glad Brendan got worked up. For the record, I was trick-or-treating with the kids. Um, I did watch the initial unveil and then went trick or treating. But uh, why are you yeah. glad I was worked up? Because like I'm glad it's still in you. It's still there. It still exists. No, was I acting? Was I acting lethargic and dead inside? Yes. Don't answer that. Let's move on to our next segment. We are going to transition. If FSU handles its business. None of it does matter because you will make the playoff if you're undefeated. It doesn't matter if even say Washington jumps you this upcoming week. Like FSU will be a. What playoff game do you team. think Michigan scouted for FSU? I thought I saw someone that looked a lot like Connor Stallions over at the Southern Miss game. He had the he had he had a nice goatee. He had really big sunglasses, and I saw a little blue light flashing from them. Didn't so in hindsight, do you think Derek Satterfield's on like heightened alert looking for Connor Connor Stallions? Right, if Derek's listening to this, Derek, there's nothing more you would <laughs> like than to find that guy on the sideline and to tackle him. I think that would be like a Derek Satterfield dream would be to like penalize. Connor Stallions for cheating. Are you going to tell the audience who Derek Satterfield is? He's the FSU football SID director. Right. He's the one who tells us when we're doing the wrong thing. Basically. By the way, wasn't there like a, a Michigan fan at the Wake Forest game? Didn't someone post that like from the crowd? I think I saw that. On oh Twitter. no! Well, you'd have to. I mean, you have. It can't be that obvious. Around the fifty, holding obvious. up a phone, not paying much attention, but making sure to scan the sideline and videotape it. Wasn't that your Halloween sure. costume, Chris? No, I was just a. Overweight, middle-aged dad. 
All right. This segment is brought to you by the Battle's End. If you like having a football team that is in contention for these type of stupid conversations this late into the season, the Battle's End kind of helps you get there. So we we have uh, seen a remarkable amount of support for TBE really all season, but like, I don't know why in the last week, you guys have been nuts in a good way. They appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate you appreciating someone who's appreciating us with, with you know, sponsoring the segment. So uh, let's talk about this upcoming game against Pitt. This was, Chris, before the season started, A we viewed as a trap game. I guess it still is, but just in a different sort of way. FSU is 8-0, 6-0 in the ACC. Pitt is 2-6, 1-3 in the ACC. FSU, as of Thursday morning, while we're recording this, is a 21-point favorite. And with the win, FSU can clinch a spot in the ACC championship game. First time since 2014. Man, it's, it's been a minute. Um, real quick, I'm going to get you break down some of the things that you've seen while watching them, Chris. You've, God bless you, have watched at least two to three pick games at this point. I've watched two. I've not yet watched the Louisville game. Trying to I've watched the Louisville, and I can tell you what they did on that. Um, but but real quick, just some some metrics on Pitt, so you get an idea of like just how low they've kind of fallen uh, this year. Their defense is average. It's probably kind of like what Wakes was last year from an efficiency metric. Uh, their EPA against the pass is 48th nationally against the run, 32nd nationally. Their defensive success rate is 46th nationally. So, like, you know, it's a, a slightly above average defense on the national perspective. Offensively, it is really, really, really dreadful. Their EPA against the or with the pass is 93rd nationally. EPA running the ball, 89th. EPA, by the way, means expected points added. Uh, their early down EPA is 128th nationally. Their third and fourth down success rate is 126th nationally. Makes sense if you don't do well on first down, you're probably going to do pretty poorly on third down as well, generally speaking. Uh, game against paper, you look at Pitt's offense. Dark green is really good. Light green is okay. Black is kind of average. Light purple is bad. Dark purple is seethingly bad. And their offense is filled with dark purple. Other than starting field position. So you got that going for you, which is nice. So Pitt, long story short, not very good, especially on offense. Chris, digging through the stats, watching two losses of theirs. I guess what's kind of stood out about this Pat Narduzzi squad? Uh, well, first thing that stands out, they're, they're for a Pat Narduzzi team, they're bad at defense um, and bad in the sense of where they can be attacked in the middle. MJ Devonshire, who's one of their defensive backs, is a talented dude. They have a couple capable bodies on defense, but as an 11, they're not very good. Teams can pick on them. Uh, offensively, I mean, anytime you have an in-season quarterback change and it's not due to injury, that's usually a bad sign that happened there. The young man they went to did pull off the Louisville upset for them, but since that, it's been pretty dreadful. They don't run it very well. They've had one 100-yard rushing game for an individual this season. They don't throw it very well. They've had one 100-yard receiving game for an individual this season. They can't block it up very well. They've been very banged up up front. Their best offensive lineman's been lost for a year. They've actually lost two of their starting five offensive linemen, or at least two that were expected to be among the starting five for the year. And they've kind of had a rotating door at some other spots because of other guys getting banged up and dinged up and injured. Um defensively, they will create some pressure still. They're averaging almost three sacks per game. I think it's 2.88 per game is the exact number they're averaging. I want to say it's uh, eight, or no, I'm sorry, seven tackles for loss per game. So they will still bring a little bit of pressure, get downhill and be aggressive towards you. But, man, you can hit big plays on them. 
Uh, as I said, I didn't watch the entirety of the Louisville game. How did they pull that off? They hit shot plays offensively. They had a pick six defensively. They had a couple balls bounce their way from a luck ratio, very high in Pitt's favor in that game. But in general, they're pretty damn bad. Um, watching the Wake Forest game, which truthfully they should have won, um, they were pretty bad in that game. It's kind of amazing that they did lose that game. They handed that game away at the end. Um, and then also watching them versus, what was it, Virginia Tech? Yeah, it was Tech early in the year. They were they were awful in that game. I mean, that was kind of the beginning of drones doing some stuff for VTech, and the pit was just no good. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure people at this point have seen Narduzzi's comments about the team and the talent level. I think there's some truth in his comments, even though it did rub a lot of players on the current roster wrong. Uh, they just didn't address their needs very well when they lost a lot of players, and it shows they're not very talented in any regard of the football team, you know, whether it's skill on offense or blocking it up or crashing downhill at the D line. Traditionally Pitt's very good at that. This team is not, or in the back half being a team that can make the picture difficult for you. Well, they have a couple of DBs that are capable. Uh, Donovan McMillan, MJ Devonshire that I mentioned previously are two that I would point out. They don't have enough of them. So, and special teams isn't an area where they excel either. So there's not really any part of this football team that's particularly very good. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's telling like, when your quarterback who you brought in as like this star transfer from Boston college and Phil Jerkovic literally gets benched to the third string before being moved to tight end. And then, yeah, I mean, some of their best players, like a Donovan McMillan, like you mentioned on defense is safety. He's a transfer. Gator. Yeah. Um, didn't play that much at UF and transfers out. So yeah, I mean, it's just, they're in a bad spot. Um, he, he walked back those comments um, that he made about the players. I, even like if you put the full quote into context, like he did say that it was on him, but you never say like anything about your players being bad or worse than the ones you had last year. Like that's just not a good move as head coach. It never works. Tell you should have told him to go get their luggage. Right. We got Louis bags. Um, Pitt last year lost six players to the NFL draft, which for that program is really good. That's also difficult to, to live off of the next year when, when you're not operating like at a really high recruiting level or NIL level. Uh, and, and specifically they lost first round draft pick defensive tackle, Kalijah Kansi inside. Yeah. And then they lost standout linebackers, Ceviche Dennis in the fifth round and they lost their two starting safeties. So Chris mentioned that they're not very strong up the middle. They were really good there. And now that's become depleted for them. And it became that like in one season and they didn't replace it. Well, to Narduzzi's point, like, that's that's clear. So like something that was a strength is no longer good for you. It's no longer an asset. Uh, he has refused to like really modernize the offense in any sort of meaningful way. And so, yeah, it's they're not a good team. This is the ultimate like FSU. I have not dove into much pit stuff because Miami coming up next week, recruiting stuff kicking off a little bit, like attention, energy can be focused elsewhere. But like this is just. If you go up there, you handle your business, you should get out of Dodge and be fine. Oh. Pitt likes to uh, self-harm themselves a good bit. 82nd in turnover margin, negative 0.25. They've committed 13 turnovers while recording 11 takeaways, throwing nine interceptions. Current starting quarterback has one more interception than touchdown so far in the season. They've also lost four fumbles. They also rack up penalties at an insanely impressive pace. 125th in the nation, 8.38 penalties per game. 68.38 penalty yards per game is 121st in the nation. More than Florida State. And FSU has a lot. And ACC officiating, that'll be fun. Uh, the field, 
you've mentioned Chris. I, I, did we talk about that on the pod? Uh, I don't know, but Akershire, where the Steelers also play, they will host – the Steelers will host what? Titans? Is that who they're playing? I'm, not I'm just sure. learning now that yeah. it's not Heinz Field anymore. Yeah, they're hosting the Titans this evening, Thursday evening. So that will be – when FSU and Pitt play, that will be the third football game on that field in eight days. Um, and, yeah, it, it's traditionally viewed as one of the worst fields in the NFL. It is natural grass, but it tends to just not handle very well. So uh, FSU was wearing some different cleats in practice this week. From what I understand, they're, they have the potential of changing the length of the uh, actual cleat on the base of the cleats. And I presume that's just to be prepared. Oh, good. I'm glad that this league is valuing player safety. That's awesome. It's good stuff. Good, good stuff. Series football program without its own football stadium. Does that happen in the SEC? Are there any teams that don't have their own football stadium in the SEC, Chris? No, but I'm what taking a week time? off from complaining about officiating or the ACC. I'm not complaining about the officiating. Well, I guess I kind of did already. I'm just. It's going to be really hard to make it through Saturday, but I'm going to try to be strong. <laughs> If uh if FSU wins this game, they clinch a championship game. Correct. Birth, right? Yeah, and the Louisville v Tech game <clears throat> is another one to keep an eye on in the league that has major implications with regards to who potentially FSU would face in Charlotte. Could you imagine? Uh, v Tech. Yeah, it seems unlikely, but a V Tech uh, gets back there again, that'd be fun. Undefeated since playing FSU, correct? Haven't they won three straight? No, they lost yeah. to Louisville the game after, then they won. Ah. And won three after that. Okay. No, they play Louisville this week. Oh, wait. They play Louisville. I think they're three. Oh, no, that was Boston College. Boston think, College was on a three-game win streak, but they, they lost to Louisville the week after playing FSU. Yeah, I think Virginia Tech has won three straight since playing FSU. Anyways, I digress. Do we want to talk a little recruiting? Sure. Okay, Zach, who sponsors our recruiting segment? Football coach, college dynasty, the best. Where's it, where it available? Steam. Steam. Uh, it's the best college football management game you could find anywhere. Um, you can be a coach. You can create game plans, call plays, recruit players, develop your team, and compete for national championships. It literally has everything you love or hate about college football, including conference realignment, school boosters, official visits for recruits, the transfer portal, and even NIL. Football Coach College Dynasty is available now on Steam for $15. I think the starting point here, yeah, let's let's go where there was a little drama. I think that probably makes the most sense. Armando Blunt drama, Zachary. Uh, so FSU's five-star defense alignment, they just flipped from Miami two weeks ago, not even. Um, there was rumors and reports going around yesterday, or two days ago, excuse me, that there was a potential meeting being set up with Miami staff and Armando Blunt. So let's kind of get into that context there and describe where things are at right now. Yeah, so that was earlier in the week. Um, I guess there was a report on a Miami rival site saying that, you know, there was a miscommunication with Florida State and that Armando Blunt was going to meet with Miami that night to talk about the chance of flipping back to Miami. I checked on it with a source close to Blunt and was told basically that that's not true, um, that he wasn't, there were was no plans to meet with Miami staff. The, the miscommunication part with Florida State, I think that's true. Um, I don't know like to what extent or, or what it was regarding specifically, but I do know that it was resolved 
prior to that report being put out there. Um, there are a lot of moving parts in Armando Blunt's recruitment. I think that's the case for a lot of South Florida recruitments in general, but especially this one. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this isn't the last drama we see regarding this recruitment uh, before, you know, December's signing day. But it's, you know, it's going to be a little run um, here over the next month and change uh, as Florida State looks to hold on to him. Because it's not just Miami that's that's in contact with Blunt or other schools that are trying to get in the mix now that he's reclassified the 2024, including LSU, Alabama, Texas, and a few others. Um, but Miami is the main threat. I mean, they're they're the other you know school that that he was highly interested in and obviously committed to for a couple of weeks uh, during the season. And you know, I think they're going to be continuing continuing to try to uh, you know change his mind. Obviously, um, and we'll we'll kind of see. We'll track it. Um, I think we have a good pulse on things in that recruitment. So if there are any twists and turns, we'll be on top of reporting them. Um, but yeah, as far as the stuff this past week, I do not think after talking to um, Gabby Arudia at the Inside the U site, I do not think that uh, Blunt ended up meeting with the Miami staff. That's what he reported the day afterwards. Um, he said that it's, there's a possibility that meeting could be rescheduled. I was told that that no meeting is going to take place, um, but we'll see. I guess just you know how, how this kind of unfolds. Moving parts would be obviously blunt himself family high school miami central and all yes. that encompasses with the staff the school's recruiting them yeah the nil factor in recruitments of this nature these days yeah uh any other pieces out for getting there i mean just that he lives in south florida um and there's just an added factor of craziness when you're a south florida recruit oh reclassification you didn't mention reclassification yeah. that that that's another um and we part. feel confident and good that that's going to happen. I know yeah. he shared that's the intention. Yes. So oh, that, I was told like he's almost done. Happen. Like I was told he he's like really really smart and like just just like rolling through his classes. Like I was yeah. told he's almost done. Basically, I just want the listener to understand that. Yeah. No, you're an idiot, Chris, for bringing that up. What the hell, Chris? Come on. Sorry. I think the big takeaway is that one Armando still seems to be listening, and that two. Miami is still interested in when initially after the, the flip happened and they tried to pull out a lot of stops to make that not happen. Um, the initial word was kind of like, Oh yeah, they don't, they don't want to have to convince a kid to stay home. And now they're trying to convince the kid to stay home, which is fine. Like I, I yeah. didn't think my, like it would have been really surprising if Miami went away quietly. They, they shouldn't. He's a uber talented prospect from their backyard, but yeah. we know now that they are, they are going to continue to chip away and, and try to uh, break down the commitment with Florida State. And so you have to hold on to him for the next, what is it, month and change? When's early signing period? Like uh, three weeks in December, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it's like um, seven weeks from and on Blanche, yesterday, he'll, I think. He'll be back in Tallahassee for the Miami game in, uh, next weekend. So that'll obviously be an important game. Him and everyone else. Speaking of, Zach, you, Zach, well, both you guys have been working to confirm people. Uh, we're going to continue to keep rolling that out. It's going to be a huge week for recruiting. Pivotal, maybe, even. Uh, we've gotten some more people confirmed. I guess what's kind of standing out to you right now, Zachary? Yeah, I mean, just a ton of talent um, in pretty much every class you can think of. A lot of 2025 talent, um, some elite guys in 2026, 
And then obviously some important commitments making it back as well as some targets in uh, 2024. Um, KJ Bolden, FSU's five-star defensive back commit, will be back for the Miami game. So will Charles Lester, another five-star DB committed to FSU. Um, I mean, there's a number of – so Wardell Mack is a four-star DB committed to Florida that will that will be at that game on an unofficial. He took his OB to FSU actually in the first weekend of June. FSU is his first OB. And then Xavier Lucas, I reported on this earlier in the week. He's a guy that was in my top five most wanted recruits for Florida State um, a few weeks ago. Wisconsin commit out of South Florida. He goes to American Heritage High School. There's some connections there to Patrick Sertan, who obviously was the head coach at American Heritage for many years before joining the Dolphins and then eventually joining FSU staff as their DB coach. Now he's recruiting Xavier Lucas to FSU. That's a recruitment that FSU has been semi-involved semi in for a while, um, but they're they're really turning up the heat with him as of late. So is Miami. Miami's trying to flip him from Wisconsin as well. They've hosted him on campus, I think, two times this season. FSU will get their first shot of the fall to host him for that Miami game. The tight end class, shout out Chris Thompson. Um, the, the tight end group that's visiting this uh, next weekend is wild. I mean, you got your four-star tight end committed, uh, Landon Thomas in the 24 class, five-star tight end Elias Williams, the Georgia commit, will be back for the Miami game after visiting for the Duke game just a few weeks ago. And then the number one tight end in the country in 2026, Kendra Harrison, a five-star out of North Carolina, who's just an absolute dude. He's 6'7", 235, the number five player overall at tight end, uh, says a lot. Like this, also, also yeah. a basketball target for Florida State, Harrison. Yeah. He's uh, he's ridiculously good. Um, he could play you know power forward for pretty much any ACC team he wanted, and uh, I think he's going to play um, football, but we'll see. Um, he, he was at that FSU elite camp, I think in mm -hmm. June and Elias Williams and Landon Thomas was, were there and he might've had the best day out of all of them. Um, he's, he's just that talented. So yeah, an elite group there. And there's a number of other names that you guys can go check out on the site. Um, we have the full list already posted of guys we've already confirmed. They're going to be probably 40 to 50 more confirmations before or between here and, and, uh, kickoff next Saturday. So when FSU's end of July event ended and talking with people in the staff and whatnot, it was funny in that moment, end of July, all the talk was we're building to that Miami weekend. And I mean, it felt like an eternity away, you know, two weeks into November at that point, but here we are and it's going to be that. So yeah. they brought in plenty of kids throughout the season for games at home. You know, they had good visitor lists consistently yeah. for the most part, especially considering caliber of opponents at times but this one's going to be a different magnitude. Yeah, it'll be big. Hopefully it's a night game. Um, I can't imagine that atmosphere. If it is, I mean, it's going to be wild. Um, even, even if it's an earlier game, let's say Miami loses this weekend against NC state. I think that would probably mean that uh, it would slot to an earlier game, which would not be fun, but I'm sure Doke, Doke will still be rocking. And that's going to be huge for FSU as they look to impress a bunch of recruits at that game. Wasn't me, I promise. Wasn't I thought me. I had it. Do not disturb. That was me this time. <sighs> I think it was both times. No, it wasn't. First time wasn't. I don't have that alert notification. Uh, don't you put that evil on me. Uh, real quick, do we think we've mentioned a lot of 
a lot of prospects already. Zach, you mentioned a Florida commit will be attending the game. Do we think any Miami commits will be attending for Florida State or attending the Florida State game? Yeah, I forgot to mention maybe the most important guy, uh, Jeremiah Smith, the number one player in the country. is also going to be there on an unofficial visit. Um, oh, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, somehow left that out. But, uh, yeah, that's he's a committed to Ohio State because he's working. Un, an unofficial visit? An unofficial said? visit. I confirmed that yesterday. Um, I'll be at Florida this weekend, I think, is out there right now. So Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I confirmed that. My dad confirmed that. Yes. I ain't worried about Florida. Um. Yeah, for Miami commits, I don't expect the majority of Miami commits that FSU is involved with to be at this game. I think they prefer it that way. FSU would, but maybe, uh, maybe one or two. We'll see. Okay, all right, we'll give it away. No state secrets, I guess. Um, uh, that's all I want to do for recruiting right now. We'll do more as it builds up. On uh, probably. Honestly, next week should do a specific like recruiting centric show uh, if FSU handles its business. And once we know what the kickoff time and all that stuff is going to be. So, yeah, let's transition to Byer Sinone. Who's it sponsored by, gentlemen? The Turner Group. The, Turner Group. the Turner Group uh, is kicking butt, taking names in the real estate market uh, in Central Florida, throughout the state of Florida. Colin, Amy. I already said her name. Oh, you did? Quiet, I quietly. I kept it down this time. I don't want anybody driving off the road. Stream, okay, I got you. Uh, the Turner Group, with their agency, does a phenomenal job of working diligently to make sure you feel comfortable in the home buying or home selling process. You can reach out to Colin uh, through, uh, you can email him. Uh, just honestly, I'm sorry, Colin. Just go ahead and Google the Turner Group. That's a lot easier than me saying the email or saying out a phone number that you won't remember. Google the Turner Group, or honestly, shoot me a DM, and I can put you guys in touch. Have you been thinking about it, trying to dip your toe in the housing market? You're like, I don't know if I want to right now. I've got holidays coming up. Set up a time to talk with Colin. He'll make you feel good about the process, let you know if it's something that would uh, be feasible and, and doable for you with your situation. So no one's going to work harder than Colin Turner of the Turner Group. The Turner Group. By Orsonone, Tyler from Spartanburg. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually Sonone it. Um, it got a little too personal. I understand why Dabo got so fired up and fired back, but at the same time, like Dabo gets paid a lot of money, act more like a paid professional. Why do you buy? I just I buy the whole situation. Um, I love the the setup. The fact that they just didn't cut him off at all. Like, how does he not get screened in the first place? And then the the host just doesn't cut him off from that call after he just went. To, on a two-minute tirade against Dabo, Tyler Reid. I like. I'm I'm buying that. I'm buying Dabo's response. I thought I think Dabo was in the right uh, for how he responded. Um, obviously, you know, it's going to make him a, a national laughing stock or whatever. But you know, you don't. <laughs> it like Tyler. Should, Tyler should have never been able to uh, go on that that tirade. Um, but that's not Tyler. Dabo's fault. I think Dabo stood in the paint and kind of um, delivered it back to him, which was funny. But where was the guy to rip the mic away from him and shove him out of the building aggressively? Did yeah. bring up a lot of 2017 vibes for sure. Yeah. It, it felt very uh, nostalgic in the wrong ways. Um, and I think, uh, I think Clemson might be going through something like that, but, uh, but we'll see. So if Clemson beats Notre Dame this weekend, is it all because of Tyler? 
It's because Tyler. Yeah, he he got Dabo right. You think they'll bring Tyler into the locker room? <laughs> if they can treat him like a pinata, maybe. Oh, boy. Um, you know what was really wild about that? I mean, there was a lot of stuff. But when you saw the quotes on Twitter or X or whatever on, uh, was it Tuesday evening? And, Somewhere in that ballpark, yeah. Yeah, when you saw it in the evening, you're like, oh, boy, like that sounds like that was fun. And I then was the initially amazed that Colin show still existed. Oh, that that was jarring, yes. Uh, but, then, but then I woke up in the morning, and at that point, the audio had surfaced, and I go start playing it. I'm like, holy crap, it's five minutes long? What happened? And then you listen to it. It was spectacular. I think it's possible for two adults to be wrong at the same time. It's kind of what we were looking at there. Two not really mature people. But, uh, you know, Tyler's trying to instigate. Dabo does make a lot of money to not be instigated like that. He has had a lot of clownish moments over his time as head coach there. In addition to a lot of successful ones, maybe it'll be a rallying point. Maybe not. I think when we see college programs, especially like dynasties, start to to un, uh, unravel a little bit, you get these odd moments that stand out. And this will be part of that, like, in 10 years, if Dabo isn't at Clemson and that program, you know, if ESPN goes to do an introspective, like what happened to to Clemson there on the top of the world, this will be a moment in that. That will be more than a, a cliff note. It'll be like the Jimbo Christmas tree or the Jimbo Collin show or like the Jimbo trying to fight the fan. Now, there's a lot of Jimbo moments at the end, honestly. <laughs> do you think that because – Davo's getting all this outside pressure and getting all this pressure from his fan base that he's just going to dig his heels in more and, and not uh, modernize his approach to that program. History. Yes. To digging his heels in modernizing. Yes. I don't know. I don't know if Dabo has it in him to change what needs to change. For they're, that dude, they're, like they cannot, I'm sorry. Like they could bring in the best recruiting classes hit on most of their guys. They're not like, it's just not a, a function, like a, a way that works in modern college football. It just doesn't. Yeah, to, to, to eliminate yourself 100% from a market. It doesn't mean you have to yeah. lean on it. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people have brought up this week. It, like, I think it's the perfect like comparison. It's it's NFL teams only using the draft and not yeah. using free agency. Like that, it, it's just like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, they should lose a decent amount of guys to the pros this offseason. Like, if yeah. you have deficiencies, you go and fix the deficiencies. Football rosters are all a one-year picture in this day and, and age of college. Yeah, and Clemson recruits at an awesome level out of the high school ranks still. Like, even with this, like, not-so-great season, they have a really good class. They have some really talented players that are probably going to help them this coming year, but it shouldn't come to that. Like, they have a ton of dead weight on their roster, just like Florida State did, just like Miami did. And these schools understand that you, there are ways to get these players off your roster and replace yeah. them with guys My, that can actually. Miami doesn't use the transfer portal. Don't get your pass eighty-five. I, I think Nick Saban is a perfect example of a coach who doesn't like things, but he doesn't care that he doesn't like them. He still will go and do it. He might warn you he doesn't like it. But the he's man hired Lane Kiffin for God's sake. Right, Dabo's like the opposite. He's, he's going to tell you he hates it, and he's going to be so adamant that he hates it that he's going to you know chop off his nose to spite his face. Yeah. So to answer your question, Zach, about him digging his heels in, I think all evidence that we have up to this point would suggest that Dabo will continue to dig his heels in. But I the, wonder. The most, 
The, yeah. the most interesting point, did you guys notice he brought up twice in his response about not being there anymore? I thought yeah. that was like the fact that that seed has been planted in his mind. Like, I think that is, um, that's telling whether I'll be here or not or however that, he phrased it. On that note, like, I wonder what the offseason messaging from the Clemson administration is going to be towards him. Because obviously, you know, he feels like, you know, I'm the head coach. I, I got to, you know, I, I'll do what's best, you know, for what I think is best for the program. But like the people that are, that are employing him are, I think are going to, I think I think the way this season has unfolded is is going to give them a ton of ammunition in this offseason to try and get them to change. But I think that's going to be something to monitor. This next month, like for Florida State, like, there's potential for so much. Like if you want to build a dynasty, a team that's going to legitimately compete for national championships, like multiple years in in a, a certain window, you need your foes, your opponents, your regional, you know, teams that you're going against on the recruiting trail to be down. And like, there is the chance for you to go ahead and deliver like death blow after death blow after death blow this season. Wheels are falling off at Clemson. Miami has pulled two wins out of their butt, but you know, trade off for the Georgia tech game, I guess, but you have a chance to go ahead and hand them one. If they somehow lost to NC state this weekend, like things aren't going great at Florida. They're recruiting at a high level. Yes. Uh, They beat South Carolina three weeks ago. Turn that into a win somehow. I don't know how, but they spun that as a win on the recruiting trail. That's good recruiting, I guess. Just got their butt handed them by Georgia and have a t- tough stretch to end the season. Like, there's a lot of stuff on the table here for like if Florida State handles its business and they can be a part of it, you could put the nail in a lot of coffins and set yourself up for like really meaningful, like long-term success under this regime. Like that all exists. And this is just further reminder of like you have a healthy program right now. Clemson does not. Those windows. We've seen Florida miss those windows when FSU was down. Uh, they don't always last, but you have a chance right now to capitalize on it, and that includes this month. Uh, brings me to my next buy or Sanone. Are we rooting for NC State or Miami this weekend? Buy or Sanone? I'll buy. I think I always root for the team playing Miami, and we all know NC State's definitely not a basketball school. It's not a buy or Sanone. Um, what? Sorry, Colin. I think uh... – Man, it's just tough because I really, I really do want Doke next weekend to be in like a night game, and I think if Miami loses, it's like almost assuredly not going to be a night game. Um, I'll, I'll buy or I'll say Miami. Yeah, you're confusing me. I, I'll go. I'll root for a Miami win just this week, um, just so that next weekend has more uh, implications. Zach's just trying to win all that inside the U message for get him back on his side. Never. They call me not nice names over there. It's just your turn, Zach. That's all it is. Um, back on track. Back on track mentally. My my brain started going a lot of places then. Um, interesting. So let's say let's put this. So if Miami wins, Bayer Sinone, College Game Day comes to town next week, and Florida State wins too. I haven't looked at the slate for next week, so I guess also known for now. I presume there's got to be a decently highly ranked versus highly ranked game. I mean, at best, it's going to be you know number three, four, five, whatever FSU I'm pulling it up. versus. I'm pulling it up, Chris. You can like talk about this. Shut, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. All right, you want to know the you want to know the games that weekend? Yeah, give me the good games. All right, well, this is probably the doozies. Ole Miss at Georgia. That's ten at two right now. Yeah, Ole Miss has to beat A and M. Georgia has to get by Mizzou. 
presuming but, but without they've already been to Georgia yet. this year, no? Doesn't matter. They'll go to the same place a couple times. Yeah, I know they will, but they haven't been to Florida State in a while, and it would be a Miami Florida rival Florida State rivalry. Oh, excuse me. That would have been bad. Um and Miami, if they win, would, would be top twenty-five, presumably. There's a lot of good games. The Utah at Washington. They've been US, at Washington. USC at Oregon. Mm-hmm. Tennessee. But USC is about to play Washington this week. So like if you lose if USC loses that one, um, that's not a top twenty-five matchup. Sorry, continue. Just yeah. Uh Tennessee at Missouri. That's a top 17 matchup. You've got to love a top 17 so matchup. I'm old and nostalgic. I would love for it to end up here one more time and have Lee be on stage one more time at FSU. Even though I think Lee's well removed from needing to really be on that show anymore just because of age and health and all of that. I think it would be very cool for possibly the last go round for him to get the opportunity. I, I think it would be. I think if I think if Miami wins and Florida State wins, I think it'll be Florida State Miami. I would I would put money on that. I'm buying my own question. You can't convince me otherwise. I'll I'll go Georgia Ole Miss top ten. Right. You guys want to put money on it? Ole Miss being a top ten team is crazy to me. But go ahead. But you don't want to put money on it. Uh, I don't want to put money on it. Put Chattanooga whiskey bottle on it. Pretty sure Lane Kiffin called Texas A&M like the greatest five and three team in college football this year. I love Lane Kiffin. <laughs> he just has fun with it every week. My favorite thing of the season for him was when he when he said that Alabama had relieved Kevin Steele of defensive coordinator duties before they played them. <laughs> and they played poorly. Uh, Ole Miss. Poor LSU's two losses are to Florida State and Ole Miss. Those are two top ten teams. Yeah, they got Bama this weekend. Bama. LSU, you know, I think LSU is going to lose big this weekend. They, you saw like the, all four of their transfer corners are not going to play this weekend. Wingo is also out. Which, yeah, and Mackay you know, Wingo. Bama tends to allow a lot of pressure this year. It's kind of mind-blowing how bad the Bama O-line's been statistically. But, you know, LSU's down a few bodies up front. Yeah, that defense might be even worse. By Orsonone, Chris, you'll be up at Pitt this week per Manny Brothers. I'm probably synoting it. I, yeah. I've had it before and it was fine, but like, nah, it's not all the rage for me. So- soggy oh. ass French fries. Now some, what is it? Iron City Light, Iron City yeah. Beer. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll probably sorry. have one or two of those. Colin might be up there. You guys should go get a beer together. Buy or synone. Um Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Okay, that my screen said something crazy. We're good. What did, what did it say? It, it said start recording or something like that. I'm like, have we not been recording for 48 minutes? But we're good. It's up in the left corner. Knock on wood. Uh, the fact that it hasn't really happened before is kind of crazy. Welcome to On the Bench. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just – I didn't have two takes in me. I just wanted to be sure. Oh, no, we wouldn't have done another episode. There would have been a lot of disappointed people out there. I was not going to do another 50 minutes of this. By Orsonone. ACC schedule through 2030, Chris. <laughs> I've known it. I mean, I, I very much enjoyed Syracuse being a primary partner for all of that one year. It was maybe the greatest experience in scheduling history for Florida State. Um, it really breaks my heart that all those people in Western New York are no longer going to get FSU like every other year, guaranteed. I can't believe we had to change the scheduling model already to add those great Atlantic Coast Conference schools such as SMU, Cal, and Stanford. Um, Way out on the Atlantic coast, 3,000 yes, miles yes. away. Eventually the coast will get there. Just give it time. Um, Keep it I am I am looking forward to that SMU trip. Um, I, I'm not an anti-SMU joining the league guy. I am anti those two Western teams because that's a waste of time and money. 
for two schools that don't give a damn about football. SMU's ready too. Did you see they were up like sixty to three at on Tulsa at the half last week? Oh, they're kicking ass. Yeah, they're, Rhett, they're... Rhett Lashley versus Miami. Is it going to be good feelings or revenge feelings? They have like half of Miami's roster on that team, and the rest of it's from Dallas. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm synoning it. Uh, I think it's dumb that FSU's ever having to travel to California for a regular season game against a team not named USC or UCLA. Okay, last one. Buy or Sinone, Chris? A soft Sinone redemption for you. After seeing some numbers, FSU is indeed dominant. Give you, give you a chance to take the soft Sinone and reverse course on the soft Sinone. Make it a hard buy. It's a soft buy. Yeah, it's a victory. I'll take it. Let's go. All right. This has been another rousing episode of On the Bench for Zach Blostein, Chris Nee, I'm Brendan Sinone. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I don't know what I just said there. Thank God this recorded. Thank you for our sponsors and their sponsorship and your patronage of our sponsors. Uh, Chris, enjoy Pittsburgh. FSU, please handle business so that way we can set up a hell of a weekend against Miami next week. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.